Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betch Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betch Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We are off of a long weekend in this office. We were off for the Jewish New Year, of course, the only New Year. So how were your weekends? Because according to the GOP, as we will discuss, we're all narrowly avoiding fentanyl-laced everything. Well, yeah, I had to stay inside to avoid touching a fentanyl-laced doorknob or (laughs) keeping my mouth open for too long and someone throwing fentanyl in my mouth. You never know. In these cities... In these Democrat-run cities, anything can happen. Anything Mm -hmm. can happen. I smashed a lantern fly and fentanyl straight to the face. Oh, shit. Yeah, I stayed in watching Australian teen dramas because they say fentanyl differently there. (laughs) (laughs) Fentanyl? Fentanyl? How do they say it? Fentanyl. Fentanyl. It's not not funny, but it's a little (laughs) funny. Oh, oh no, fentanyl, fentanyl, oh, no. that's hard to say. Oh no. Um, I love, you know, people come to Betch Us Up for the nuanced, respectful mm-hmm. political commentary, the Listen, respectful we global take, citizenship. We take, mm-hmm. we take opioid abuse actually much seriously than these GOP clowns who are joking and misusing it. Yeah. So I saw a couple of these stories come up yesterday. I thought it could be a not fun way to start, but just an interesting way to start. There is just so much Republican hysteria about fentanyl this week. I was saying before we started uh, recording, it seems like the new critical race theory. It's like they're like, how can we come up with something that seems super scary? That's like it's coming for your kids. Greg Abbott keeps yapping about how (sighs) Beto O'Rourke wants open borders. House candidates across the Southwest keep boasting, not even just the Southwest. I feel like there's also guys like bros in like Ohio who are like the fentanyl at the border or like Michigan. It's like, sir, sir, you're in Michigan. Actually, we do have a Michigan bro to discuss today. Mm -hmm. But House candidates are remarking. My favorite thing that they do is when they talk about how much fentanyl has been seized at the southern border, as if that's like as if they're not confirming the effectiveness of the current program. Like they're like enough fentanyl was seized at the border to kill 40,000 infants. And it's like, well, well, good thing that the system works. Yeah, I'm there, glad are, there are no it. issues. <laughs> it seems yeah. like it was seized. Also, fact checkers worth noting say that by fact checkers, I mean that guy, um, Dale, I can't remember his last name, on CNN, and he does the really fast fact checking. He said that most of the fentanyl that comes into the U.S. from the southern border is American citizens bringing it in. There is a fentanyl problem, a serious issue, a very dangerous issue mm-hmm. with fentanyl being in a lot of drugs. And I feel like that is largely the fault of the local drug dealers who are trying to make more money and trying to cut product with really dangerous drugs and sourcing that themselves. I said this before we started recording, but it is not the young children from Honduras who are seeking asylum who are grabbing up, you know, fentanyl as they go. 
uh, just to no. make a, make a, make a quick buck when they get here. And that's yeah. been true. Like uh, when we go back, I just watched um, Netflix has a really good documentary on crack right now. And like the oh, crack really? epidemic. And it's like, that has been true of other drug drug war things in the past. Like that's what this is bringing up to me because you know, you look back to the eighties and they were like, crack is so dangerous and it's flooding all of our like cities or whatever. And it's like, well, it was Americans that were Mm -hmm. facilitating that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, working with drug cartels certainly to do it, but it's a much bigger problem. And it's not the immigrants coming across the border that are doing that. It's a much more sophisticated top level operation that creates that. Elise, you think a a seven-year-old that's coming from Guatemala is not cutting an Ohio guy's cocaine with fentanyl (laughs) so that they can get more of a profit? You're saying that it's it's systemic? Yeah, okay. My understanding is they don't bring that much stuff. (laughs) No, I think famously, things are taken. It's, it's, yeah. It's just a bizarre reason to to cause hysteria. This is bringing up for me the remember the caravans yeah when the mm-hmm. in the 2018 yeah. midterms everything was about these migrant caravans and these caravans of migrants fucking the day after the midterms we did not hear one peep about any more migrant right. well actually like mm-hmm. during the Trump presidency at least like there was not anything about those migrant caravans mm-hmm. and it's just like. I don't know. What are these people like? Okay, we don't want open borders. Fine. Like, what are we? What do we want for the future of this country to be like closed? No one's having children anymore. No one can afford a house. Like, no one can do. There's too many jobs that no one will do. There's too many jobs no one will do. People trying to come here and get jobs because we've destabilized their economies back home. Can you? You know, are bringing? It's like, what do you people want? You want to get your F one three fifty, whatever the fuck, <laughs> and like F one three fifty. They wish. yeah, your F one, yeah, your three fifty. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I think you're right. You're catching them because it's not really about the borders. Like they're using this this fentanyl line on everything. So last week a clip went viral. I think it was somebody talking to Michigan Attorney General candidate Matt Matt DiPerno, a Republican. I think they were talking to him at like a maybe a campaign event or like some sort of gathering, and they were recording him. And he said in a recording last week that Plan B. First of all, he didn't know what it was. The guy was like, what, do you, what are we going to do to stop the flow of Plan B? The guy was like, yeah, Plan B? Well, I bet I'm anyone not, who's ever that? dated him knows what it is. So Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, so Matt, De- Matt DePerno's never had a fun night. Yeah, the, where yeah she's got a little bit out of single hand. woman who's ever encountered you. Yeah, they all know what Plan B is. <laughs> Biggest red flag is not knowing what, what Plan, B, plan is. B is. What it is. <laughs> but then he... And, and the guy, I think, clarified, like, the like, the, like, the morning after pill or the, the contraceptive. And this guy, I'm not sure if – he then said it should be banned in Michigan. You have to stop it at the border, much like fentanyl. Just straight up compared it to fentanyl. And then lastly, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy lamented uh, in a – I believe this was in the speech where he was sort of spelling out the campaign platform. Uh, he sort of had, like, an interesting cell phone here as well. Let's listen to that clip. We will secure our borders so your kids won't have to fear wondering that they're buying fentanyl and are going to OD. It's just this does imply that all parents are aware that their kids are buying hard drugs at all times. Yeah, I mean, it's just so funny because, like, the drugs in the Halloween candy of it all, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. a fear that comes up and is disproven and comes up and dis- is disproven and all of this stuff. And, like, 
again, like you said, fentanyl is actually a really serious issue. Mm -hmm. But we don't get any closer to solving that issue by pretending that it's children are the ones who are the victims. What's happening Mm -hmm. and what's really sad is that fentanyl is getting laced into other people's drugs that people use recreationally, number one. So, like, if you actually care about fentanyl deaths, then maybe you should promote fentanyl testing strips for recreational drugs. Yeah, like you see Kevin McCarthy share those on his Instagram story. Yeah, absolutely fucking not, but... Those do exist for anyone who's listening that may partake in recreational drugs. You can test all of them for fentanyl. That's really something important. There's Narcan training that you can do. Mm-hmm. Also, people are turning to fentanyl because they're getting addicted to opioids that they were prescribed mm-hmm. and then they can't get them anymore. And so they turn to the street and go to fentanyl. So it's like, it is a real problem, but it has nothing to do with fucking kids getting fentanyl laced candy that's not what the issue is but for them to talk about what the actual issue is then they would have to propose solutions that are things that would never come out of their mouth which is like harm reduction approaches for actual drug users rehabilitation for people like actually getting to the root of why this has happened which they never want to do they just want to scare you like there are i feel like i see a story every week that's like Police in hazmat suits yeah. enter school to <laughs> confiscate fentanyl as if, like, you can touch fentanyl and immediately overdose on fentanyl, which isn't even how that happens. That's like a meme online is like all these police, like, quote unquote, have touched fent, have gotten fentanyl poisoning from touching it. And really, like, it's these cops that, like, dip into the stash mm. and get in trouble and whatever. And then, yeah. And like you said, like, those are, it is a big problem. That people are, you know, there are solutions. and But that's the thing. It's like the fentanyl issue is a big issue. There are also big issues that have nothing to do with fentanyl. Like the fact that that's like part of their political platform. It's like we have an insane housing crisis. Rent is so expensive all over the country. We have really bad climate things. Let's talk about student loans. All of that. There are actual, you know, and like, it's again, ignoring. Yeah, healthcare. Ignoring these very real problems, making up new ones and with solutions that have nothing to do with the actual problem. But are the solution is to close the border. Okay, good. Yeah. And just to drive up xenophobia that that helps them. Yeah. Yes. And with the Depernal, this might be a little off topic. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a little tangent. But with the DePerno with the plan B comment, there was a little comment um, by Mark Lamont Hill yesterday because Judy Gold was on MSNBC and they were talking about the 15 week abortion ban by Lindsey Graham. And, you know, Judy Gold brings up that Lindsey Graham's never seen a vagina, has never had any kids, all that stuff. She said that on MSNBC. (laughs) She said that on MSNBC. Mark Lamont Hill was like, this is so disgraceful. Why does that? Why does this have to do with anything? And then there was a discourse on like, is that off limits to say, you know? And it's like, this man, it, it, I feel like it is relevant. 
I've said something very similarly on this podcast <laughs> multiple times. I feel like I feel like Ray Sani let the cat out of the bag with this podcast acknowledging that there are gay rumors about Lindsey Graham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she said he doesn't even like pussy. And uh, we didn't take it out. But no, it's really interesting. I think this is a really, it's definitely a bigger topic for like, a probably hour long t- conversation yeah. with yeah, gay I know. people. I'm sorry for bringing yeah. that up. Um, but. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to go too into it, but I think, I think it's definitely a conversation, especially when people are actively oppressing, yes. like other marginalized groups. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners! I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic. The next time you are searching for the perfect gift, now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Speaking of, we'll discuss some some races today that have to do with abortion rights and that marginalization. So there are some really, really interesting and important races throughout the Southwest in Arizona. In New Mexico, I don't think Nevada is technically the Southwest, so I, I'm sorry, but those ones are important too. But specifically, both of those states, it has the energy. States, it has the energy. New parts Mexico of it. is not the Southwest. No, Nevada. Oh, n- I'm not sure if Nevada is. Oh, Nevada. Yeah, I feel like maybe the southern part. But both of those races have governors that are up, and they have open Senate seats. And uh, Arizona, in particular, is pretty consequential because last week they did um, a judge did let through a female judge did let through a an, an abortion ban from 1901. And mm-hmm. the governor candidate, Katie Hobbs, she was the secretary of state. She was the secretary of state during the 2020 election. So, like, she knows how to hold the line while Republicans are really pressuring her. Their current guy, Doug Ducey, I, he's either term limited or just not running again. I'm not sure which. I think he's term limited. But her Republican opponent is crazy. I think she was, like, a news anchor. And she, like, runs ads saying that she doesn't believe women, men and women should be, should be equal. So that race is wild <laughs> and <laughs> worth watching. But we'll also start with some Senate races there. Unfortunately, Senator Cinema is not up this election cycle. Senator Cinema to me, like even more than Republicans really tell really shows me how 6 years can stretch. Mm. <laughs> like we don't have a chance to replace her. It feels like she's been in there forever and it feels like it's going to take forever to have a chance to primary her. Obviously she's a democrat, she's a democratic vote, but as we'll discuss next, bizarre behavior for a democrat. So Kristen Cinema, Democratic senator from Arizona, Famously a woman, famously a bisexual, promised to be a cool liberal. She spent the week intellectually 69ing Mitch McConnell. McConnell hosted cinema at the McConnell Center at his alma mater, the University of Louisville. He's like a hero there. It's weird. Like there's like paraphernalia related to him. I think it's like at his That's fraternity so or his club. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. And again, like we talked about this with Joe Manchin. It's like 
I'm not saying that only men who fit a particular standard of masculinity, of performing masculinity, ought to be celebrated, but I just don't think Mitch McConnell fulfills any of the criteria of being like celebrated for his masculinity in any kind. I do think or when you're at University of, of Louisville, you might be like, well, this is... I feel like universities are always like touting their big alum, and yeah. I don't know... Not, I mean... I don't know shit about University of Louisville, so I don't want to shade them unnecessarily, but McConnell might be <laughs> what they have, and it seems like he donated enough to get a center. I know at University of Delaware, when I first got there, I and I joined the poli-sci like, department, they would always mm-hmm. be like, Joe Biden and Chris Christie went here. And by the end <laughs> of my four years, they were like, and Joe Biden went here. Yeah. <laughs> they just, dropped, they just <sighs> dropped the Chris Christie. They decided we actually don't need that one. I don't know. Maybe if Louisville gets another, if any University of Louisville students are listening, maybe you could overtake Mitch McConnell and they won't have to, they won't have to Fabulous do this anymore. Idea. Just from a cursory Google, I did see that some officials at the university did publicly disagree with him when he came out against the 1619 project. So it's probably like every university, like there's any university that seems super fratty. There's also theater nerds there. There's also poli sci nerds there. There, there is also all of those people there who are like, you know, raising the alarm too, and often able to like convince the, the staff there, but like, there's definitely a faction there. I read about it in like, I can't remember what book it was, but just, it was like setting the scene of like, a particular group of men at that university that just idolize him. Okay, well, those people probably there's just there's pockets of those idiots at every university. Also, like if you're an alum at University of Louisville, like how much is a building there? It can't be that much. It's not Harvard. It's <laughs> you want to buy out? Should we yeah, buy like, out the McConnell Center? Out. You should go buy out me. that fucking center. It. Yeah, let's go fund me to change it to the Betches Sub Center. <laughs> the Betches Sub <laughs> Who Center. Who does he hate the most? The Persistence Center. The Center yeah, for the Women's be- Persistence. The Betches Sub Center for Persisting Nevertheless. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, but what I was going to say is, like, I don't understand. Like, I'm not a Republican. Sorry to disappoint <laughs> I don't understand idolizing like what has Mitch McConnell actually accomplished besides stop like all of his accomplishments are stopping major legislation people stopping love progress that's the exactly people love yeah, the that court. oh the courts yeah, yeah. but I'm just like but I'm, yeah thing. I guess the courts and that big tax break but I'm just like like Ronald Reagan terrible human being but I could understand why like he actually mm-hmm. did evil many many evil things mm-hmm. but he did like tangible things that whatever i guess mitch mcconnell i guess really did push over the abortion thing like that was his yeah. doing but i'm just like this is not a man who has made like actual like mitch mcconnell himself did this thing his whole thing is like stopping and even the the, the abortion thing we talk about it all the time since they passed that you know Roe v. Wade thing. Um, people have been working to to get rid of it, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that can't even be accredited to like Mitch McConnell himself. No. I'm just saying, like, even if if I were a Republican, I still don't know I would if I would like worship Mitch McConnell. Yeah. I mean, I think that some people really like that he was a complete asshole to Barack Obama. Um, so like, I think they're a fan of 
the racism. Really, it is. Like, it's the racism. Yeah. I guess You're they're right. just yeah. more accomplished racists. Is my thing. <laughs> I just didn't, flashier too. Flashier, yeah. cooler with swag. I'm just saying, like, of yeah. the Republican idolized, that's not the most impressive. But mm-hmm. also, idolizing Mitch McConnell at all is. is I mean, insane. the cake. I think you've already made some. This is not my joke. I think I don't know if it's your joke, Millie. Somebody has made the joke like there's a reason the KKK wore hoods. Was it you that said oh, that? Oh yeah, maybe like, I don't know. They're never, they're never. Um, what they're never said, What haven't I said on this fucking podcast? <laughs> but Arizona, yeah. So she, it's just a bizarre situation, especially like that an actual Democratic leader is doing this. I mean, even 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 Joe Manchin does not do this, and she just like really rubbed it in. I mean, first of all, he said, "I've known Kristen for four years, but she is, in my view, the most effective first-term senator I have seen." And just like you should get your Democrat card revoked if Mitch McConnell is saying this about you. He praised her for being a true moderate and saving the institution of the Senate by not ending the filibuster, which is truly hilarious because that man ended the filibuster for Supreme Court. One hundred percent. As for cinema, she told the crowd she and McConnell shared similar values and had a strong friendship. And despite having more external differences, like he drinks whiskey and she drinks wine. It's very like she's just very twee. Like I sent this quote. It's like sounds like a Taylor Swift song. Like she's like, at first glance, we don't have much in common. He drinks bourbon. I drink wine. He's from the Southeast and I'm from the great Southwest. He wears suits and ties. I wear dresses and these flare sneakers. What? Where are we going with this? Are these your vows? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very. um, Yeah, this would be cute if what he was standing in the way of wasn't like fundamental rights for people that she supposedly mm-hmm. supports. She also in this same thing says she supports bringing the filibuster back for all the things he fucking removed the filibuster for. So yeah, I want to know more about who yeah. is paying her bills. Well, who, him, obviously. I mean, I need to understand. I think anonymous. I don't know. I know you guys just hacked Iran, so you're busy, <laughs> but I think once you're done with that, that's more important. But maybe we can hack Kirsten and well, find especially out because I don't know. Mitch isn't here. Mitch. Mitch isn't getting like money from his wife because she's not in the administration to like juice the juice the shipping contracts to make her family money. Her so family sure. has a lot of yeah, fucking. They're like, <laughs> They're fine. She's gotten another fucking scam somewhere. They're all don't fine. They're all fine. They're finally Yeah, our our but, plans to take over the McConnell Center maybe maybe. In jeopardy. But Arizona's other Senate seat is up for grabs this year with Republican billionaire backed extremist Blake Masters challenging incumbent and good natured astronaut and heroic husband to Gabby Giffords, Mark Kelly. Sometimes the contrasts between these candidates are just too good. I mean, Mark Kelly is Mark Kelly stood by Gabby Giffords when she she was shot shot. in the head and recovered. She's still she's still recovering like she's still she's it's, yeah, you don't fully come back. Right, right, right. She still physically. has like some needs and, and requires accommodations. And he is a partner that helps her with that. He's an astronaut and his twin brother is an astronaut, which somehow makes it even more delightful that he is an astronaut. His opponent, if you did not know, is this guy named Blake Masters. He's like handpicked by Peter Thiel. He is disturbing. He looks disturbing. It's all disturbing. He's, evil. He's, He's very like- evil. He's like, there should be a constitutional amendment banning abortion. <laughs> I want to privatize Social Security. Like, tech bro, psycho, in Elon Musk's mentions type guy. <laughs> exactly. He's like, has like a venture capital background. He keeps changing his tune on abortion. 
He has, as Elise said, suggested privatizing Social Security, which is just not popular. People like it's so dumb that they say that. Like when we went to the White House, Biden mentioned that several times. Like you from your first job that you are able to have that's like on the books, you pay into Social Security. It is insane that these guys would propose getting rid of it. Also, he's like a big weirdo and has said a lot of problematic stuff. Let's listen to a clip of this opposition ad against him. That guy who just can't stop posting weird stuff, that's Blake Masters. He's called cocaine smugglers heroes, praised the Unabomber. Thinker that's underrated, Peter Krasinski. And after 9-11, called Americans security-craving sheep. Blake Masters, he's too out there. Praise so the I Unabomber! See I see you've had a reaction to the Ted Kaczynski underrated thinker portion. <laughs> I, I wonder why. Why wow. did he praise the Unabomber? Like he thinks he had well, some good ideas. Okay, so I actually just listened to a whole podcast about <laughs> always, the Unabomber. Elise, how are so, you always, Elise? I had I to know, literally. Like, I'm Jesus. sorry. I had to move off of the camera when you just volunteered about 20 minutes ago. I just watched this Netflix documentary about crack. About crack. <laughs> oh it's always, I always have uh, just watched something, but anyway, yeah. what was the yeah, You got to send me the link. Uh, oh. I think it's. It was an American scandal. I think, yes, American scandal. It's about the Unabomber. And Ted Kaczynski's whole thing, which is interesting for someone who's like a venture capital guy backed by Peter Thiel tech bro. Ted Kaczynski's whole thing is that technology had ruined society and that we need to go back. That's why he like lived in the woods with no electricity Mm -hmm. and stuff that we needed to go back to like original man and like live in the woods. So, and then, and he targeted universities because he thought that like universities were promoting this like advancement of technology and thinking and all this stuff. So I'm confused as to which aspect of what Ted Kaczynski was up to Blake Masters is connecting with other than just the bombing of university professors. <laughs> like, mm. I don't know if that's what he supports, but yeah, Ted Kaczynski's thing was being anti-technology. And this guy, like, is technology-affiliated, right? Well, Peter yeah, Thiel is backing him. Peter Thiel is PayPal. He's, what What else do you do? I mean, Facebook uh, original Venmo. investor. Yeah. Okay, apparently, so. okay, I did not know this, but apparently Ted Kaczynski has become, according to Vanity Fair, a cult hero among the young and very online portion of the far right. How I wonder if there's part? how are they discovering like his shit without the right? internet? Like, oh my they're God. talking online about his manifesto because I guess I do know that he and is they like, don't like the industrial revolution. I feel like yes, that's what it is. I'm so confused. We're gonna have to do a deep dive on this. Is bad and technology okay. is bad, but he is like. One of the OG manifesto bros. So mm-hmm. maybe that's what they like. Can I confess something? You yes. said Unabomber. And I was like, what does he have? I thought shoe bomber. So I'm like, oh. maybe Blake Masters likes taking off his shoes at the airport. And he- that's what he like. <laughs> I mean, it's that level. I'm confused as to what aspect of Ted Kaczynski's. I mean, okay. Thing. I'm reading on a blog, and then we'll move on, and, and we'll we'll uh, I'll do You're some actual get resources. So many cute but non ads now, Amanda <laughs> Kaczynski's description of the alienation of people from one another caused by technology aligns with white supremacist call for solidarity among white people. 
to resist what they regard as the threat of oppression and white genocide. But again, we we are where we started. Why? Why is there? I do yeah, not see I'm, how that I'm aligns. missing the link between the Industrial Revolution to white nationalism, but maybe it's just like they're kind of looking for whoever. Maybe inconsistency. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's not uh, that deep. Yeah, Maybe they're just like, our... he bombed a bunch of people and has a beard. We like it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There seems to be some tech has torn families apart, et cetera, et cetera. If you know more about this, if this happens to be a pet interest of yours, please please join our Geneva channel and uh, and let us know because it's definitely fascinating. But this guy's, a, this guy's a clown. He is now, I mean, he's now polling eight points behind Mark Kelly. We are not going to mm-hmm. look at any races as one or not important. We obviously last cycle saw some polling. We were supposed to win Maine and Susan Collins ran away with Maine. But I mean, when we look at what Republicans are kind of, it seems they have decided for themselves that this race is not looking good for them. Mitch McConnell's uh, backed Senate leadership fund has canceled a $9 million ad buy. I guess they don't really think they have an answer to this man saying Ted Kaczynski was an underrated thinker. And a new poll showed Kelly, like I said, leading masters by eight percentage points was reading some like local things this morning and it sounds like arizonans are really like they're sick of the race overall and they're sick of this guy he keeps changing his tune he's not likable like some people can be good politicians and aren't likable and that's unfortunate but i don't think this guy is either and like there's nothing wrong with mark kelly he's fairly moderate i think you know since he's been in office he throws up the brakes you know to be able to say like i want to check to make sure it's good for arizona seems pretty Fairly popular there, though it is, you know, some purple parts of the state. But um, he actually again. does the stuff that Kirsten Cinema is like playing this game to yeah, see. Yeah, like exactly. She's doing like he is a genuine senator from Arizona who wants to represent the interests of his state, which is a purple state. He takes that into consideration in making his choices. But you don't see him doing this stuff that Kirsten Cinema does because he's looking at the exact same fucking electorate. And saying, no, they don't want me to be, they don't give a fuck about the 60 volt threshold for the filibuster. They want X, Y, and Z. Kirsten Cinema is making the decisions she's making because it's not based on the electorate. It's based on how do I, as a first team senator from Arizona, become one of the top names that people would know in the Senate? How do I get to be buddy buddy with Senate leadership? How do I get healthcare representatives calling my ass on the phone? I do this. And I, I, you know, the Kirsten sentiment of it all just kind of reminds me of like the opposite of Liz Cheney, which is like, yeah, she knows that she's not going to get reelected again. So she's going out with guns blazing and just being as as brazen as possible and picking up as much connections and goodwill with the rich people that can give her a fancy job after this. Yeah, exactly. Because people, you know, some like bad faith leftists are like Liz Cheney is gonna be running for Democrats and it's like uh, Democrats are not gonna vote for Liz Cheney but she's gonna get a a good job and she's probably gonna get a lot of speaking engagements Mm -hmm. and the same thing with Kirsten Miss Kirsten's gonna have some fancy dumbass job and she's gonna be speaking in the University of Louisville and all these dumbass Mick McConnell centers for the rest of her stupid uh, Mitch match pattern she can be the house mom at Mitch McConnell's Mitch McConnell's fraternity yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. And so, do her marathons in peace without anyone bothering her about the dying I just gotta say, also, too, Blake Masters looks like a Disney villain. Yeah, it's bad. Like, yes. really, like, he really does. 
He looks as bad as he is, which is like, he looks as evil and smarmy as he actually is. And that's, I think, partially also his problem is that it's just like, you look at him and see what's coming out of his mouth and you're just like, ah, oh my God. Yeah, too on brand. And this, he is one of several candidates, including Herschel Walker, who is just so bad. And Republicans have really set themselves up. I mean, some of these races that were like toss ups have shifted to Democrats. So it'll be a very interesting cycle. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Now we need to touch on an international story because this is obviously really dominating the headlines. Protests continue in Iran where security forces have killed demonstrators speaking out against the death of Masamini in police custody. She was a 22-year-old Kurdish woman living in Iran. She had been detained for allegedly violating the law that she must be bailed, that she must wear a hijab. This is a law that the morality police have enforced a lot more since their new president and new government was kind of installed. Like the clerics basically vetoed a lot of the other candidates. And this president has been a lot more hardline and has enforced the hijab laws, which previously were not enforced. And so this has been happening ongoing. She was taken into police custody and died. And that's mysterious and not allowed. And this converges with a lot of other huge challenges for the Iranian people and just really botched efforts by the government and just oppression all the time. The economy has faced challenges, especially since the U.S. left the Iran deal. That's still going on. The reason why these protests are such a huge deal is because protesting is so dangerous in Iran. There's there's been many instances of mass protests in history with very like well-documented results. It's not like, I wonder if I'll put my life at risk tonight if I go out there. Like That's just you're knowingly doing that. So most of the reporting I've seen has stressed that the desperation that these people must be feeling to take this risk cannot be overstated. Protesters are calling for a lot of things, for international investigations into how they've treated this, into what happened in that case, and just other instances over recently. They're calling for the fall of the Ayatollah. They're just calling for something needs needs to change and we need to take we need to take power back. And in response to the protests, Iran has cut off internet access and poured dis- disinformation and fear into what media is allowed through. There really is not a ton of media coverage of the protests from journalists. Most of what I've seen looks, you can't really tell where it's from. That's why I haven't posted it. And I don't think people should post it really because you're not really supposed to, like it's dangerous. There could be People in the Iranian government trying to figure out who these people are. You don't know where they've come from. You don't know who is in the pictures that you know shouldn't be seen. 
And that's because the journalists who actually know how to publish clips like in a safe way, these citizen journalists have had no choice because most journalists are banned from the country. It's it's dangerous to operate there. They're like last on the list for world press freedom. So it's a really, really violent and important protest movement that is struggling to get coverage because Iran is literally turning the internet off. And there are, it's kind of hard for some communication platforms to operate there and ensure they can keep their lines open because of certain sanctions. So the U.S. government has tried to say, here is a special license to work around to make sure that like you can like signal or whatever can provide services to the people there without coming under fire for violating U.S. sanctions. But it's just a convergence of like so many global issues and a regional issue and, you know, really, really painful to watch what people have to go through there and, and also not really know what's happening because it's being suppressed. I mean, we know what's happening and nothing is in doubt. That's not what I'm saying, but it's like hard to get a real sense of, you know, 41 people have died, but that's like I've seen reports less, yeah. that that sounds low. And I see reports that that's protesters. Then I see reports that that's a mix of police. The Iranian government is trying really, really hard to sow different disinformation. There was reports of a a young woman who was killed that I've since heard that I saw some major outlets post that I've since heard might be fake to to cause like fear. But then that's also I mean, this is this is why these news cycles are so tricky and important is because it's like you need to elevate what they're doing and also be mindful of of how certain framing benefits them. They would love for it to look like the West is meddling in Iranian affairs by saying all of this is fake and by planting fake stories itself so that they're all fake. So it's just like. Well, yeah, a a really often used tactics of hardcore regimes is when there are protest movements to try to say, oh, this is the U.S. outside agitating because we have fair. (laughs) We, you know, uh, we've done that in the past. But now it is like it becomes really tricky because a lot of times really bad governments will use that as a cover to for their own like legitimate to to cover up and not respond to legitimate protests. Another aspect of this that, you know, is just, I think worth mentioning is that uh, Masa Amini was a Kurdish woman. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And there is a lot of, you know, I I don't know if it technically counts as like racism or Mm -hmm. what the actual, what the actual ism is that comes into play in Iran, but Kurdish people are, um, disproportionately policed there. So that's also kind of part of it is that there's this Kurdish woman and that might have come into play as to why the morality police chose to snatch her up and target her kind of in the first place. Yeah, I was going to mention that, that yeah, they have, you know, all over, not just in Iran, but in, in Turkey and in different regions, like following what uh, those people have to go through. It, it, it just has so many parallels to like, Things that we go uh, that happens in the U.S., which can also feel like why, you know, I mean, that's a criticism when U.S. gets like into things with China and stuff. It's like, well, y'all are no no different. I get what you're saying, Millie. And like, obviously, what's happening in Iran is a very extreme example. But like we are seeing the erosion of women's autonomy over their bodies here in this country. We've talked about it right here on this podcast. I don't, and you know, you, Amanda, you just had that really awesome conversation with Kristen Conger about like conspiracy theories that are popping up on TikTok. And there is a very weird undercurrent of the right wing right now 
that literally is people who say they want women to go back to the home. They want mm-hmm. women to not be covered in like the Islamic way of being covered, but that, yeah, they want your ass at home. They want, you no credit card, da, da, da. Like that movement is gaining traction here in the United States again. And if you look at Iran and think it can't happen here, just know that like Iran in the 1970s, women who are alive in Iran today did not live under this kind of law. Iranian history is fascinating. And there are yeah. just so many like, I try to stop myself from like comparing things to the West because that makes them good. But, and so I'm mindful of that, especially like this week, again, you see a lot of images of the 1970s, like when people, when there was like a lot more liberal appearing dress and mm-hmm. there were times where like there, there were just the people there and the population was very well educated. There were a lot of really strong institutions and there were so many times where like the country could have like gone in such a different direction, but because of power struggles and because of like ego and because of theocracy and religious fanaticism, yeah. and it, us it meddling, did not. And, and exactly messing and, around right. in their business also. Right. That's <laughs> the only thing that they have that we don't. We also have religious fanatics and we also have a disdain for education sometimes. And so I think that comparison is like, you know, not to not to make it about us, but there are a lot of parallels in terms of like any anything can happen because it was very unusual when it happened there as well and surprising. We'll keep an eye out for resources. But like I said, there's like not much, I think like Elise wrote in the newsletter, like amplifying and amplifying mm-hmm. specifically the words of women in Iran. It's hard. Not all of them can access internet. So that's what's challenging. But there are Iranian women everywhere, Iranian-American women. There are a lot of Iranians in, Can- in Canada who are really turning out. So just like I would just encourage people to try to share things that people from the region or with familiarity in the region are sharing because in moments like this, like I hate when I see just like some white guy with a check mark go viral for sharing a unverified protest clip. And it's like, don't get your coverage there. Try to get it from the people that are actually on the ground, even though that can be challenging. Um, Yeah. That is our show for today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Vegas Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.